Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Do you have your Bible out there? Let's hold them up and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for his holy written word. I want to talk to you this morning about the church that Christ built. Before Jesus returned to heaven, he said that he was going to build a church that the gates of hell could not prevail against. Didn't he say that? He, the head of the church, says, it's going to be my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail or succeed in overcoming or destroying or overpowering the church that I built. Well, what does this church look like? What are the characteristics of this church? And if you think about how we think about church in our Western mentality, it could be a lot different. But if we'll just take some time to look at the scriptures, I believe we can define the church that Jesus built. And we can take a clear look into what it really is supposed to be like. So let's do that. First and foremost, I believe that the church that Jesus built was a church that he was going to be the head of. And that means he would have the preeminence. A church where Christ has preeminence. When we gather together here today and we begin to praise and worship God and lift up the person of Jesus, what happened? Did you sense his presence? In other words, the church that he built is a church that he's the head of. A church that's submissive to him. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. It's submissive to him. It's a place where he is honored, where he is extolled, where he is revered. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Well, the church is comprised of a local body of believers, the global body of believers, and the individual believer. Does he have preeminence in your life? Well, that was a weak amen. I said, does he have the preeminence in your life? Now, why is that important? Because we can say, I want more of you. 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 While you're going, but not that. But don't do that. And I don't want to do that. And I don't want to change this. And I don't want to change that. Am I right? 
Preeminence means I want you to be the rule over my life, the rule over my heart, the rule over everything that pertains to my life you are the ruler of. I give you first place. You're the head of it all. He's the head of the church, which is his body. Amen. So I do believe the church that where Christ has preeminence is a healthy church. It's a Christ-centered church. It's where he is glorified as Savior, Redeemer, Lord, Healer, Baptizer with the Holy Ghost in fire, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Almighty One, the Everlasting Father, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end and the first and the last. We're here because it's all about whom? It's all about Jesus. That's what the early church declared, that Jesus is Lord of all. As a matter of fact, look at Acts 5, verse, verse 42. This is exactly what they did everywhere they went. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to quote from the New York Times. Or the latest Fox News report. No. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Paul says, I want to know no one, nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. So have you come here to lift up the person of Jesus? Have you come here to exalt the person of Jesus? Have you come, praise God, to make mention of the name that's above every other name, the wonderful name of Jesus? Have you come to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Have you come to say, I want you to be preeminent in my life? Take it over. I submit myself to you. You know why you come to church? To hear some things that maybe your flesh doesn't want to hear. Amen. Boy, that was a statement, wasn't it? Right? You didn't come here to get your ears tickled. You came here to be challenged. Right? Right? To be changed. To be motivated. To be moved. To rise up in spirit. Get a fire in your bones. Get stirred up on the inside. Right? If you can't get it here, where can you get it? Or did you come to here just... Oh, it's a terrible world that we're living in. It's such a sad place. What are we going to do now? It's just afraid to wait to rear up children in that society that we face today. Because you never know what's going to happen. You get up in the morning and you know you've got this ache and pain. And then you see the bills are piling up and all that. But you know, we've got to just get through life barely getting along, you know. Because we've got to suffer, you know, for Jesus. Where do you go to church? You get up in the morning, praise God, it's the day the Lord has made for you to rejoice and be glad in. To rise up and shout the praise of Almighty God, in Him I live, in Him I move, and in Him I have my being, praise God. And no matter what comes my way, and trouble is going to come my way, but when it comes, praise God, greater is He that's in me than he that is in the world. I'm not caving in under the pressure, I'm not giving in to defeat. He's more than enough to lead me out, and there's a way out. I said, there's a way out. There's no temptation taken you as such as common to man. But God is faithful who with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Are you looking for the way out? Praise God, the way of escape. Who's the way of escape? Jesus, praise God. Where's their safety and protection in that wonderful name? Oh, what a mighty, mighty name, praise God. Some churches, they build their reputation of their church on an elaborate building finances uh, some causes that they stand for 
being seeker friendly. You don't want to see to it and that they reach out the masses of people because they're seeker friendly. Not concerned about anything but uh, maybe social activities, having a social, uh, nothing wrong with social activities, but you get the point? That's not what it's about. It's about coming here and exalting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everything points to Him. It's all about Him. Hallelujah. And so a healthy church focuses on Jesus and His person. Secondly, it is a word-based church. It is a word-based church. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 2. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word, Timothy. Someone says, but I'm, I'm running out of material. what that's why maybe I pick up the the daily newspaper the Beaver County Times I kind of read through it maybe that sometimes I I, I preach on maybe um, the, the latest movie that just came out or something of that nature you know or some maybe some of my family uh, experiences and that sort of thing I might think about talking about some current events and etc etc oh God forbid let me tell you something right now if you ever get tired of hearing someone quote to you a verse of scripture, check up on your salvation. Amen, Let me tell you why. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You can tell me that today, you can tell me that tomorrow, you can tell me that the next day and the day after. You can say it to me over and over and over and over and over and over again. It will light up my soul when I hear that God so loved me, He gave me Jesus to die for me in my place, so that I would not be lost for an eternity, but I would go and spend my eternal... Uh, manifest eternal life with him in his holy presence praise God and that's my destination I never get tired of hearing about the woman with the issue of blood who suffered many things and many physicians for 12 years spent all that she had was nothing better but rather grew worse she heard of Jesus and she came in the press behind touched his garment for she said if I may but touch his clothes I shall be whole hallelujah and she didn't Jesus said somebody touched me who touched me Peter said well, we don't know what are you talking about Everybody, everybody's touching you no 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 somebody made a demand upon my ability who is she where is she and then she just fessed up and told all the truth you know when a woman gives detail of all the truth it takes so long that Jairus's daughter died in the meantime <laughs> did you know that <laughs> that's where he was going to heal her and she told him all the truth. Can you imagine all the truth that she said? You know those remedies the doctors gave me? And the first one was this, Lord. Put a cup on your hand and someone scare from behind and just say, say scare her from behind. They're going to scare this, uh, this disease out of her body. That didn't work. Dig a bunch of trenches. Then I had to go through these trenches. They dug all these trenches and all that. And then she said they put a cup of Everything that they did had a cup of wine in her hand for some reason. I don't know why. But can you imagine her going over all these and all these and all these and all these. And, all, then, finally, and then finally I touched her garment. And I got healed. I never get tired of hearing that. I never get tired of hearing the woman, the Syrophoenician woman. Oh, in her testimony when she came to Jesus and he said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, well, the dogs can eat the crumbs, Jesus. Whew, and he said, oh, woman, great is your faith for that saying, the devil's gone out of your daughter. I need to hear that every day for that saying, the devil's gone out of your daughter. What have you said that got a devil out? Start saying some things to get the devil out. Can you say Amen don't invite them in get them out praise God 
I'll never get tired of hearing the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and here's why. Here's why. But continue thou in the things... He's talking to Timothy again, right before he said this. Here's what he says about the word. Which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child you've known, known how to get on your computer. You've known how to quote the dictionary. You have known a religious dogma. What have you known? What have you known? The Holy Scriptures. What kind of Scriptures? Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. Hallelujah. It goes on to say that the man of God may come, become mature and perfect in the things of God. Beloved, the word gives us the truth. The word builds us up. The word encourages us. The word lifts us, instructs us, rebukes us, reproves us, matures us, grows us. And you can go on and on. But what does it? Only the Word. It's the Word that does it. So he said to Timothy, make sure you preach the Word. Praise God because it's going to give you what you need to understand and what you need to know about heaven, about hell, about marriage, about morality, about parenting, about loving, about forgiving, about being compassionate, about caring for other people, about what you should do as a believer. It, it, it gives you everything you need to know. You know what's wrong in our society today and why things are the way they are? We've gotten away from the Bible. We're preaching too much of the times in church. Young people are not hearing the truth. You know why they don't know the truth about hell and heaven and immorality and immorality? Because they're not hearing it. We're trying to be seeker friendly. We want to be hush hush. Don't say something that might offend. Sometimes we need to get offended. If the word offends us, then guess what? He'll heal your offense. If the word steps on our toes, then he'll heal our toes. Can you say amen? amen? Who has the right to govern us? Only our creator. Who has the right to govern us? Only our redeemer. So if he tells me something in his word that I don't like or agree with, do I call him out on it and say you're wrong? And I'm right? Job tried that. Got him to a boxing match that he wanted to get out of. He tried running out of the ring, but God wouldn't let him. Mm -mm. He got some angels around him and just said, get back in there. Get back into the ring. You remember Job did? Job rolled up his sleeves. He got in the ring with God. He said, where are you? Oh, if you were here to stand before me, I'd give you a piece of my mind. I'll tell you some things. And so finally, the Lord just took him up on it. Appeared to him and said, okay, mighty Job. You want a few answers? But first, before I answer your questions, I want you to answer a few of mine. After the first, first one was a knockout punch. That was it. He's ready to run out of the ring. But said, no, God said, no, 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 come back here. I got a lot more to ask you. Got more to talk to you about. And then when he got done with his lashing, when God finally got done speaking to him, he just said, who, who did I think I was to speak without knowledge? How ignorant. Oh, beloved, no matter how smart we think we are, we're ignorant when it comes to the knowledge of Almighty God. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. And so when it comes to truth, and I put this together, I want you to see this because young people, you need to hear this, not just about this one subject. But look here in your notes. The rationalists, the truth about hell. 
This is what young people are growing up under. This is what they are hearing. But the truth is what liberates and sets free. Okay, the rationalist says there is no God. Therefore, there can be no hell. And young people are being taught that. If you grew up in the home of a rationalist, that's what you're going to hear. And then the atheist, look at uh, Robert Ingersoll. Well-known atheist. The idea of hell was born of revenge and brutality on one side and cowardice on the other. So if you believe in a place called hell, you're, you're a sissy. You're a coward. Stand up like a man. I remember one day doing a funeral. Oh, I'm telling you, it was, it was one of those. Just one of those experiences that you never forget. I never forget it. it one, when I got done with my message, he just stood up. Oh, stress out like that. I'm glad that's over. I don't fear God, death, hell, or anything of that nature. And I just, you know, your heart goes out because you know they're blinded by the devil. You know they can't see. I was blind, but now I see. Thank God I see. But I was blind at one time too. And he's just spewing out, I'm not afraid to die. I'll stand before whoever, whatever. Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> it's going to be a sad day if that, if that fellow doesn't meet Jesus. There is a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shine. Look at Christian uh, science. Hell is an heir of the mortal mind. Really. Someone better tell these people, you only use 10% of your brain, and that, if you do, you're a genius. Okay, Mr. Genius. You think you know something? 90% of your brain you don't even use. And we think we know something. And we call people a genius if they can use 10% of their brain. But Adam used 100% of his brain. Think about that. And what about God? Man's highest can compare to God's lowest. If he has a low. An heir of the human mind. Jehovah's Witness. The wicked shall be annihilated. The wicked shall be annihilated. You know what that means? They go back to the dust of the earth. That's what it means. So if you die... If you want to live ungodly, live ungodly. If you want to do what you want to do, do what you want to do. Because when you die, it's all over. You go back to the dust of the earth and you just don't exist anymore. What does that play into? You just do what you want to do. I mean, it, it, the worst thing that can happen to you is just you won't, be, you won't exist. You'll be in a state of non-existence. Annihilation. Okay? Wow. Well, the Word of God... Before that, look at the Seventh-day Adventist. The lost will burn up. It's the same concept. The lost will burn up. In other words, you'll just be reduced to ashes and that's it. You don't exist anymore. But look at the Word of God. Look at something that Jesus said about hell. If I'm going to believe anyone, I'm not going to believe that the most intelligent human being who ever lived. I'm not going to believe in Darwin's theory of evolution which the rumor is he got saved before he died and he just absolutely rebuked and, and refer, refuted his own theory. But I'm going to believe someone with credentials. Someone who knows a little bit about life, death, and eternity. Someone who can explain to me in full detail what it's all about. Okay? That's who I want to believe in. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But look at what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 about hell. For those who don't believe in a place called hell. How can a loving God send someone to hell? 
He sent his son there so you wouldn't have to go there. So, believe what, what Jesus said. Look it. If your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. How many here appreciate your right eye? What about the rest of you? For it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Ooh. If your right hand offend thee, cut it off. How many of you here appreciate your right hand? Anybody here want to lose it? Have it cut off? No. I didn't think you would. Well, if it offends you, cast it from thee, for it's probable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Why, Jesus? Because if you study what Jesus taught about hell, it's a place of sensation. It is. It's a place of suffering. Eternal fire. Well, the worm dies not, and the fire is never quenched. It's a place of sensation where a person has memory. He has feeling. He has remorse. He has thoughts. He remembers his life on earth. He remembers his family members on earth. It's a place of separation where you're not going to be with those people anymore. So if we kind of put it all together as far as what Jesus taught, what we discover is that hell is an awful place that you don't want to go to, and it's so bad, it would be better for you to take out and dismember from your body anything that would cause you to go there and live life on earth maimed and go to heaven than have a complete body and go into hell and suffer. Separation from all your loved ones. Sensation, feeling and emotions that you still have and have to deal with every single day. People think, when you're out of your misery, you're not out of your misery. And then eternal suffering. And you say, well, how do you know? Well, a few credentials here. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus created the world. Jesus came to the earth and robed himself in flesh. Jesus, what about teaching? Preaching. And what he taught and what he preached was the truth. And he talked about two men who died. One was a rich man. And one was a beggar. And the beggar when he died was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom where he was comforted. And the rich man in hell lift up his eyes and seeing Father Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Said Father Abraham send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger and cool my tongue because I'm tormented in these flames. And Father Abraham said, Son, when you were on this earth, you lived the life you wanted to live. You had no regard for God, no regard for men. You did your own thing. And now you're, you're tortured and he's comforted. And there's nothing we can do about that. Besides this, there's a gulf fix between the two of us. You can't cross over to us. We can't cross over to you. He said, well then, Father Abraham, if you can't help me, I've got five brothers on the earth. Send Lazarus back from the dead so he can go preach to them lest they come to this awful place as well. Oh my goodness, you talk about sensation, you talk about suffering, you talk about separation. Here's a guy in this awful place, he's not changed his demeanor one iota. He's still barking out orders from hell. He's telling Father Abraham what to do. Okay? And there he is in that place barking out all these orders, suffering and all that. 
And Father Abram finally just says, look, even if one were raised from the dead, they're not going to listen. They've got Moses. They've got the law. They've got the prophets. What's available to them, they have. My brother and sister, we've got the book. We've got the Bible. We've got the words of Jesus. You say, how can you believe him? If you can't believe someone who came out of the grave, whose grave is empty, whose tomb is empty, whose bones are not there any longer, who when he came out, others came out with him and went to the city of Jerusalem and preached that Jesus was the Messiah. If you can't believe the one that arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave, then I'll tell you what, let's pack it all in. There's nobody else on earth you can believe. And I'll give you some further insight. On that day when it comes, when the church is raptured out of here in glory, and we're lift, taken up into heaven to be with the Lord, the dead in Christ rise, we their lives will be changed and caught up in the twinkling of an eye, and we're going to be with our loved ones, meet them in the air and go to see Jesus. When we're in that place, praise God, in Revelation chapter 5, we are told we are going to bow down before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because in that place he says... That John, when he was on the Patmos and he saw in a vision, he saw, he saw this. I saw him that sat on a throne. That's the Father. He had a book in his hand written within on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I heard a song angel with a loud voice saying, Who's worthy to take the book and lose the seals thereof? And he said, I wept much because there was no man in heaven or earth or beneath the earth that was found worthy to take the book or loose the seals thereof and so I wept I began to cry but one of the elders said to me weep not behold the lion of the tribe of Judah of the root of David he hath prevailed to take the book and lose the seals thereof he didn't say Buddha he didn't say Confucius he didn't say Mohammed he didn't say Moon he didn't say Krishna he didn't say anyone anybody but the one and his name is Jesus the lion of the tribe of, of, of Judah the root of David prevailed to take the book. He said, I beheld in the, in the midst of the throne to the Lamb as he had been slain, having seven eyes, seven horns, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth on all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he took the book, the four and twenty elders fell down before the, before the Lamb, having everyone harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song. Oh, they sung a new song. Amazing grace. Thou art worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof, Jesus. You redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. And you made us kings and priests before our God, and we shall reign with you on all the earth. He said, I heard the voice of many, many voices around the throne of many angels. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying, worthy, worthy is the Lamb to receive blessing and honor and glory and power and riches and strength. Blessed. Hallelujah. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth and beneath the earth. Heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power. Being the him who sits on the throne, the Lamb forever. Glory to God. Glory to God. You going to argue with that? Are we going to argue with someone like that? I would believe not. Can you say amen? amen? I would believe not. Thank God. Hallelujah for Jesus. I believe Jesus. I believe what he said about hell. I believe what he said about heaven. And I believe, praise God, he's the conqueror. Number three, it's a spirit-filled church. It's a spirit-filled church. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 5 and 8, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem as well. Wait a minute. The church that Jesus built 
is a Holy Ghost Spirit filled church where the divine presence of God that took up occupancy in the Holy of Holies in the earth made Holy of Holies uh, at the Ark of the Covenant the Shekinah glory that appeared there once a year before uh, the high priest and the Shekinah glory that on occasion would manifest among the people beloved they don't have a better covenant we have a better covenant with better promises if they could realize the divine presence of Almighty God back under the old covenant, how much more can we expect God to show up when we truly offer to Him the sacrifice of our praise and we honor Him like He instructed them to honor Him? It's a Holy Ghost-filled church, a Spirit-filled church. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. The first church, the original church, had the manifestations of the Spirit and the power of God on display and operation. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom. In other words, that's a, just a nice way to say I don't use 50 cent words when I preach. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why, Paul? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I know that's why he chose me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pull me out of a, out of a, a mill crane. I know that. He wasn't looking at my 50 cent words. I guarantee it. I know that for a fact. Not at all. Uh-uh. No, when he saw me, all I can say is he must have seen my heart. Because when, when I got saved, I gave him all of me. When I got saved, you did not have to tell me to go to church. When I got saved, you did not have to tell me to read the Bible. When I got saved, I was like a newborn babe desiring the sincere milk of the word to grow thereby. You couldn't keep this book out of my hand. I would open up this book, read this book, inside, outside, upside down, get other books about this book, and I would read them and put the other books next to this book to make sure that they were in there. And I would feed on the word and 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 feed on the word. Praise God until my cup was full and running over. Hallelujah. I was not in seminary. I was not in uh, any kind of theological school. I didn't come from that kind of a background. As a matter of fact, I knew absolutely positively nothing about this book in 1976 when I gave my heart to Jesus. Other than someone told me one day, why don't you go home and read your Bible, John chapter 3, verse 3. I had my beautiful family Bible. It was big. One of those really big Bibles, you know. And it was on where it's supposed to be, on the coffee table. It was sitting there. It was sitting there as beautiful and as nice as can possibly be. It was a dust collector of old. I was instructed I couldn't understand it, but it was nice to have it. And you know why you had it? So you can know who you married, know who your kids were, because you opened up the front and put their names in, and wrote it all down. And so it was all kept nice. And when your kids get married, and you write that in there as well. And once you get baptized, and you write that in there. And you have all this done, that done, you write it all in there. Then you close it and leave it where it's supposed to be there. For what? I don't know. Just leave it there. And so I went home as he admonished me to do. And when I went home from work that day, I went over to the book and I thought, dare I open it? 
Okay, I will. So I opened it up to John's Gospel, chapter 3. And just as that fellow said to me, you must be born again. I found it in John 3, 3. I found it in John 3, 7. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. I sat there with my mouth wide open. I sat there dumbfounded and this look on my face. And I said, I've been in church for 24 years. I've gone to church six days a week. I went to specific classes. And I'll tell you what, I never, ever, ever heard you must be born again. I would go to bed at night as a 16-year-old boy. I don't want to go to hell. I was under conviction. I didn't know anything about conviction, but I was under conviction. I don't want to go to hell. I knew I didn't want to go to hell. And I would sweat. I mean, during the night, I wake up sometimes. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. You know what conviction is? The Holy Ghost on you trying to communicate something to you to let you know you're lost. You're blind and you can't see. And all of a sudden, it took me time because I had no idea what it meant. When someone told me that before this other guy, I said, how in the world can I go back into my mother and be born again? Just like Nicodemus did. See, you don't know. You're, you're lost. You don't understand. But I'll tell you what. When I got saved, I was mad. Oh, I was frustrated. I was angry. I said, I sat in church for 24 years, Lord, and I did not know you have to be born again to make it into your kingdom. But thank God you opened up my eyes, and thank God I can now see, and thank God I'm now saved, and thank God I have a new heart and a brand new life. I said, Lord, use me the way you want to use me. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go, Lord, wherever it is. Hallelujah. Guess what? He took me up on it. I never expected that. You know, you say that, then when he calls you and says, okay, leave your home, leave your job, and go to Tulsa and go to school. When I wait a minute, Lord. Oh, I warred with him. I just said, well, then you're going to have to sell my house. It's sold in one day. Well, then it sold so fast, I had to get an apartment. Got the apartment. I, no, actually, I'm sorry. I, the first house was to pay my tithes. I sold that house. It sold in one day. And from that one, went to another one. And within seven months, I bought that house. I had to sell that house to go to Ramah. It sold in one day. It sold so fast, I had to go over to an apartment. I had to pack, put all my stuff in storage. You heard about the, or, the big theater organ I had bought? Oh, Lord. Sometimes I just wonder. He knows a whole lot more than we do. Me going to Tulsa, Oklahoma was the furthest thing from my mind. Never, 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 never. So when you say, God, take me, use me, make me what you want me to be, I'll tell you what, he'll take you up on it. So you see, I didn't come from a theological background. I didn't come from knowing a whole lot about the Bible. But you know what he saw? He saw a heart set ablaze and on fire. One that would be dedicated, guess what, to this book, the Word. I was not tainted with any kind of religious tradition, doctrines of devils, doctrines of men, I was not tainted whatsoever. If he said it, I embraced it. I believed it. If he says you can do all things, I said I can do all things. If he says I'm your strength, then I said he's my strength. If he says I supply your need, I, he says I supply your need. You know what? We don't need to have dictionaries and, and theological debates to talk us out of the faith that we should have in the living God. And all of a sudden the miraculous began to happen. Signs and wonders and demonstrations of God's mighty power and glory begin to take place. No, I'll tell you what, when he calls you, he anoints you, he appoints you, he'll give you the equipping that you need. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't think we're going to get through this today. Look at chapter 3 and beginning at verse 1. Hallelujah. 
because this is so pertinent to what we're going through today. This know also. You see, if someone once said they were in a church, but all they they talked about was the uh, New York Times and current events and all that sort of. We got this whole book to preach from. This know also. What? In the last days, perilous times shall come. Did you hear that? Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Perilous times have come. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, oh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away a holy ghost church a spirit filled church that proclaims the truth of God's word and when someone says but I'm dealing with an issue they need to find out that there is power to correct whatever needs corrected in your life God can do it we believe in a church of power God can take a sin sick soul and make it whole again God can heal deliver set free amen no case is too difficult for him And what we need to hear preached from our pulpits today is that very fact that, praise God, His church is a church not of religious doctrine, not of traditions, but of power and demonstration of who He is as the Word is proclaimed. So in other words, when we gather together like this, you know, we should come with a heartfelt desire to hear something from God. Of all the words I'm putting together here today, it's just something, just something has triggered off something in you. To rise up big within you. To make a difference in your life. You want to know why our young people. uh, You know I did a study on. What's taking place today. With with regard to morality. You want to know why. We've caved under the pressure. As far as same sex marriages are concerned. And homosexual issues are concerned. And all that. Once again it goes back to this book. Because our young people today. If they, they were, let's say 10 years ago, there was a survey that was taken uh, and the percentages have dramatically changed, especially with younger people. Number one, they're not churched. Or number two, if they are churched, then they're not hearing anything being preached on the subject. You know why? Because we want to be seeker friendly. We don't want to offend anyone. But you know what? If I told you that there are about 70 scriptures on homosexuality in the Bible and not one is good, not one is good. But yet, young people are being taught that we have, we have to embrace it. So when it comes to LGBT, okay, once again, people have their views. But what's their view based on? We want people saved, not lost. I didn't say it. The Creator said it. And if I gave you every one of the scriptures about that subject, you conclude that it's an abomination to the Lord. It's unnatural. It's unholy. And in the last days, we're going to be flooded with it. And isn't what Paul said to Timothy true today? Does that mean that you're a hater? Absolutely not. We're a lover. We love all people. We just want to let them know the truth. It's the truth that makes people free. Knowing the truth. And so these young people need to be taught the Word of God and what it says. Be a 
word teaching church, to be a spirit filled church, to be a holy church in first Peter, first uh, Peter chapter one, verse 13 through 16 from the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to this world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better. But now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Without holiness no man shall see the Lord, Hebrews says. But listen, God is holy. His church is to be holy. It's a holy church. And holiness is twofold. It is, number one, it's practical. And we understand practical means it's, it's worked out in our lives. But it's also positional. Positional meaning in Christ, I am holy. Say it with me, I am holy. In Christ, I am holy. Aren't you glad to know that? But now because we're holy, he said be holy. In other words, manifest holiness. Walk in holiness. Practical holiness means that we develop in holiness and we begin to live a godly lifestyle and a holy lifestyle before God. He doesn't want us to stay as we were before we got saved. And that's why Peter admonished, Paul said the same thing. Sin shall not have dominion over you. So it's a holy church. It's a praying church. It's a soul winning church. It's a witnessing church. But I want just, just go to Matthew's gospel chapter 21. And I want you to see these points and we'll close. Because we're not going to get through all this. It's a praying church. It is a worshiping church. In Matthew 21 beginning at verse 12. Let's read right on through verse 16. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house, my dwelling place, my church shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. And the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth and babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And you culminate that by saying that you put it all together. Jesus was saying, my house, the place where I dwell, the place where I live, the place where I show up, it's a house of purity, holiness. It's a house of power, the Spirit of Almighty God. It's a house of prayer, prayer, where we meet together to commune with God, talk things over with God, and pray out the will of God in, in, on the earth. And then perfected praise, notice the church that Jesus would build would, would obviously follow this pattern. It's a house of purity. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of power. It's a house of perfected praise. Now, I'm not saying you can't come and have a social activity. I'm sure you enjoyed your donut back there. But I'm not preaching about donuts this morning. I'm not preaching about uh, the newest movie that's out. I'm not talking about current events. I'm not talking about what's written in the newspaper. I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the great and mighty one of Israel. I'm talking about Jesus, Lord of all. 
And he says, I, want, I will dwell among a people that are a holy people, that are a powerful people, that are a praying people, and that perfect praise. Beloved, if you have a hard time getting into praise and worship, so did I. I came out of the church that I was in. I sat on my hands on the front pew. Well, I don't know why I went to the front pew. It was a Pentecostal church like we are. I'm telling you, I got to the front pew like where Dante's sitting there. And I sat down. I put both my hands like this here. And when all those people are doing all this and doing all that, I just sat there just like that. And said, I just want to hear the word of God. But I'm not doing what you're doing. You're not going to get me to lift my hands up like that. I never heard of such a thing. In church, doing, acting like that. Acting up in church. Are you kidding me? Acting up, acting out, doing all that crazy stuff in church. That's not me. I'm too reserved for that. You know me. Before long, praise God, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in power. I spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance. I found myself looking at one hand, putting that thing up in the air and just going, that feels pretty good doing that like that. I looked at the other hand, I said, oh, look, you might as well get up and join the other one. It joined the other one just like that. And then before you know it, I'm just doing all this here. Hallelujah. 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 It all felt great. But they say, why are you saying that? Because... It was the duty and responsibility of the priest to do what? Keep the embers burning. Keep the fire on the altar burning. And that golden altar of incense is where they burned the incense. And when that incense was being burned, it gave place to entrance into what? The holiest place of God's divine presence, the glory of God. And so they were to keep adding fuel to the fire, putting wood on the fire. Keep that supernatural fire burning and keep it aglow. Well, beloved, what does that? Praise and worship of God does that. He inhabits the prayer. We're not to bring a bull. We're not to bring a turtle dove. We're not to bring a pigeon, a lamb, or any kind of sacrificial animal. You know, the only animal you bring is yourself, praise God. Hallelujah. You bring your praise. You bring your worship. You bring glory. It's Almighty God. And Jesus said, if you don't do it, I'll call upon the rocks and the stones. And they will cry out. They will cry out your praise unto me. And so what's he saying? When we gather together, if we do anything here this morning, I know you want to hear the word, preach the word, and the word's being taught. But I'll tell you what, if anything, we need to come and just say glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me healing me delivering me making me whole i voice my praise on high to you a worshiping church it's a holy church it's a praying church it's a worshiping church and god shows up let's all stand together give him a shout of praise hallelujah hi pastor bill here i want to thank you for joining us today on behalf of my wife krista and krista selby church i want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sounds. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you 
and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.